The following is a ray gun armed, faster than light presentation of galacticnetcasts.com. The Time Traveling Robots in Space Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome to, like the lady said, Time Traveling Robots in Space Podcast, episode number 11 for Tuesday, November 8th, 2011. This is the show where we talk about time travel, robots, and space. From Wausau, Wisconsin, I am the Inter-Dave. And from Glendale, California, Mr. Paul Swickard. How are you, Paul? I am doing splendidly, sir. Do you, like, uh, do you, do you like the new intro? I love the new intro. That's, that's amazing. That's what that is. That's, that's radio and podcasting genius. That makes us sound so professional, even though we may not be actually professional. It makes us sound that <laughs> way. Well, if professional means like we're getting paid for doing this, then oh. no, we're not professional. <laughs> yeah. Yet. If you want to... If you want to get technical, if you want to get, if you want to be exactly what it means, eh. I hey, that's professional enough for me. I'd All pay right. somebody to do that. Cool. All right. So th- that's one new thing. There's a couple other new things that I want to talk about tonight, involving this podcast and the Galactic Netcast Network. But you're going to have to wait to the very end of the podcast. Ugh. That is what they call a tease. That is a tease. That's unfair, Dave. <laughs> I, I'm a listener. I want to know. Tell me more. Well, you kind of already know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. I know, I know what you were doing there. You were playing along. You were, I was. You I were, was trying to empathize with our audience. You were acting the part. You were fainting <laughs> ignorance, but that's okay. Um, all right. So let's just get this podcast rolling, and uh, the faster we get through it, the faster you'll know about the good news, the, the new news. Mm-hmm. So let's do this. All right. A time portal, Captain. A gateway to other times and dimensions, if I'm correct. As correct as possible for you. Your science knowledge is obviously primitive. Behold. A gateway to your own past, if you wish. The gate, the uh, the uh, uh, that's the city on the edge of forever. Uh, second season, Star Trek original series, and he slams Spock. <laughs> I wish we could have like... shown the video of that because on the video on the actual ep- on the actual episode, Spock looks he looks upset. Looks like that hurt him. <laughs> that's like extraterrestrial slam right there. I know, man. It's the worst oh, kind. Snap. <laughs> All right, so we are talking about time travel, and according to a report on Deadline.com, the CW has bought the rights to a time-traveling musical project called Danny Hollywood, an hour-long project based on the successful Israeli, Israeli half-hour series of the same name. The series will focus on a young documentary filmmaker who travels back in time in order to prevent the death of her 90s musical idol, Danny Hollywood. But, of course, the mission won't go as smoothly as she predicted because what's a CW show without a bit of drama? And that's, all, and that's all we know so far. We don't have a date for the show. I'm guessing maybe next fall it's possible. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it wouldn't be a CW show then, plain and simple. So what do you think of musicals? Uh 
Do you do you watch Glee? Do you, do you check out no. Glee? No. No. Oh, please. No. <laughs> no. 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 I. You know what? I have to be careful. I can't. I can't bash it too much. My wife absolutely loves musicals, so I. You know, I tolerate them, and they're not as bad as I originally thought. But I. I still can't stand Glee. Glee is just not not good. <laughs> No, I agree. I, I see maybe the last two minutes every Tuesday right before New Girl, and that's yes. the that's the only Glee that I see. And you know what? That's enough for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, but that is plenty. I might sit through a couple episodes of this just to see what it's all about because I love time travel. I uh, who's to say? Who's to say? Really? Like I, I you know, I would there I, there are rare exceptions where I will watch musicals. Like for example. When the Book of Mormon comes around, as I'm sure it will, I will definitely want to watch that. But, uh, yeah, as a general rule, no musicals. But who, who's to say? Time travel may be enough for me to actually see if it's any good or not. And she's going back in time to what it sounds like the 90s. So this may not be like a musical musical. It may be mm-hmm. kind of like, what's, the, what's that musical that's really big right now? It's being made into a movie starring Tom Cruise... Oh, I don't know. It um, takes place I in the am, 80s. They do about, I am not up to date on uh, musical theater news. I apologize to our folks out there for they that. They do a bunch of 80s songs in the musical. Damn it. Anyways, it's, it could be along those lines where they actually sing songs in the style and the songs from the 90s. Okay. But who knows? Who knows? I, do, I certainly don't. I guess we'll, hey, we'll, find, we'll out. find out. Yeah. All right. What do you got for us in the time travel genre tonight? Dave, I don't know if you know this, but we're approaching uh, the video game season, as it were. And that is to say that there are a lot of sort of hotly anticipated titles coming out right about now, just for the, you know, getting plenty of time in before Christmas. So people have plenty to put on their Christmas lists. One of those games is uh, the new game from the Zelda series called uh, Skyward Sword. And basically, the whole idea is that uh, many have speculated, this is, not, this is not official information to the best of my knowledge, but uh, there's going to be a bit of time travel in Skyward Sword, which uh, is welcome news. It, it's not new to the series by any stretch of the imagination. Like, you definitely had moments in there where you have, you know, you play as Link as a kid, and then you play as him play as him as an adult and uh you know things like that but uh from what i'm looking at uh, from some of the trailers that have been released there's uh, some pretty cool functionality in here basically you can hit what's called uh, a time shift stone and the surrounding area will be immediate like the immediate uh, environments will be changed instantly so it, it's not incredibly clear if whether whether that's a uh dimension shift or whether that's a time travel. But either way, it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, this is the second video game that we've talked about in the last two episodes involving time travel. Indeed. We had that uh, Spider-Man game that's mm-hmm. coming out, or just came out, that involves time travel. Now we've got this. There's plenty. There's definitely plenty in, in the wheelhouse of video games to support time travel. So what's the what's the basic story behind Zelda? I'm not a video game person, as you know. Tell me more about it. Zelda is interesting because it really doesn't have a... It, it has a pedigree in that you have a series of video games, but in terms of the story, 
there isn't much of one. Basically, it always goes this bad guy named uh, Ganon or Ganondorf kidnaps Zelda and you as Link have to save Zelda. That is the entire point. That is every Zelda video game, essentially, okay. right there. Okay. So there's no like events that have transpired or anything like that. But I, you know, I can't imagine somebody who is actually trying <laughs> because it's so just kind of disjointed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's almost like the same story told in different formats. So okay, this video game's been around for a while. Has have the graphics gotten better? Does it has it improved over time? The look of it? Oh sure. I mean, Zelda. You're talk- when you're talking about Zelda, the original game was on the original Nintendo, <laughs> and you know. <clears throat> you've had Zelda games uh, in every iteration of nin- the Nintendo platform since then. So, yeah, I mean, they've looked considerably better. In fact, uh, most people now are saying that Skyward Sword will be a good reason to dust off the Wii, as it, you know, the, the Wii is, there's not a whole lot to keep people going back, but this will be a good reason to fire it up again. And, uh, you know, our early recommendations have, you know, there's only five reviews that I know of, but people are saying that it's pretty much the best thing to happen to Zelda ever, which wow, I, yeah, which is high praise. I don't know if I go quite that far, not that I know that for certainty yet, but if, if that's true, then it's definitely going to be something people are going to be talking about. When's it, when's it coming out? It is coming out in the United States. I believe it's coming out the 20th, okay. uh, the 20th of November, that is. And let me double check that. They always, it, it's one of those few games where the United States doesn't get it first. Yeah, November 20th. And okay. uh, Europe is actually getting it uh, two days earlier, which is very, very rare. <laughs> so, and today was a big day because Modern Warfare 3 came out, right? Yep, yep. Yep, you got it. All right, and, I know uh, a little bit of something. I don't, I'm there, not totally see, dumb job, when Dave. it comes to video <laughs> games. <laughs> I pay attention. Good. But yeah, I'll probably be picking up Skyward Sword and, and see what's the haps there in the time travel realm. I expect a full review when you pick it up and you play it. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. I've got one more time travel story, and we teased this last week. Out today in stores is the brand new Stephen King novel titled 112263, like the date, 112263. Uh, the book follows Jake Epping a high school English teacher from Maine who travels through a time portal to 1958, intending to stop Oswald from shooting John F. Kennedy. The story takes place almost entirely in the late 1950s to early 1960s. The narrative tracks Oswald's movements leading up to the Dallas shooting. Although the novel has science fiction and alternate history themes, the majority of it is historical dealing with real-life events and people between 1958 and 1963. King came up with the idea for the novel way back in 1973. Hmm. And okay. um, from what I read, the reason it took him so long is because there was so much research involved. Oh. Because it's, it's very heavy on the history. He wanted to get it all right, get the details down. So it, it took him a while to develop the story, and the research took him a while as well. Well, good for him. You know, if he's uh, if he's that com- committed to it, who's to say? It, it's it sounds like it'd be pretty cool. And we uh, brought this up last week, did we not? But yes, now we it's did. Out. Yep, it is out starting today. So, Stephen King fans, go out and pick it up, or uh, log on to Kindle, or log on to um, 
Barnes and Noble or or Amazon and uh, download it. Eleven twenty two sixty three is the name of the new Stephen King novel. Cool. Uh, are you I a fan of uh, Stephen King? You know, yes, yes, but most of my stuff that I really have enjoyed of his have not been his typical kind of horror type genre. Like one of my favorite films ever is The Shawshank Redemption, and that was based off of a Stephen King novel. And, you know, I love The Green Mile and other, you know, a, a lot of his work. It's just generally not in his, you know, what he's known for. Yeah, those are very touching stories, both mm-hmm. those two. I was surprised. When I found out that that was by him, I had, I didn't believe it. But, yeah, sure enough, he was, he, he did them both. So, and you're right, they're definitely very moving stories. They're very human stories. And that, that is generally, again, you know, when you're talking about something like that versus it, <laughs> I, I it's kind of like it, it's almost like it's like by a completely different person. Yeah, he gets pigeonholed for being a horror author, but he does a lot more than that. He does the the kind of stories that you were talking about. He does science fiction, and he mm-hmm. does whatever this is considered. I don't know. I don't even know what this con- this is considered. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could end the. I guess just science fiction. You but know, then, but then he deals. He deals with a lot of history, so you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of um, what would that be called? Uh, historical fiction. Historical fiction, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I think it's a cross genre type of book. Cool. Good. Good. We had I, another I, story this fun. week um, on GalacticNetcast.com about another Stephen King story, The Dome, which is being uh, made into a a series, a TV series for Showtime. Oh. Or under, uh, excuse me, Under the Dome. Under the Dome. That's the title. Cool. And what is, uh, what is that all about? Under the Dome is about a town who wake up one day, or it, uh, just out of the blue, one day this dome appears over their, uh, over their town. Hmm. And that's, that's okay. all I know about it. I that alone makes me interested yeah <laughs> it actually kind of reminds me of that simpsons movie <laughs> yeah no i and i i put the story up today on google plus and some that's a comment that somebody made was it sounds a lot like the simpsons movie yeah oh cool all right are you ready for robots paul i hear there are robots and we should talk about them let's hit it welcome humans i am ready for you overwhelming am i not are you too startled? Am I too removed from your ken? I'm more than machine, or oh man. More than a fusion of the two. Don't you agree? That is from Logan's Run. Oh, wow. You ever seen, seen Logan's Run? Long time ago. And yeah. that was on television. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it was, uh, I believe the original movie was a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. But then they made the TV series too. I was a big wow. I was a big fan of Logan's Run. I I, I made myself uh, their pistol, whatever it was called. Oh yeah, okay. I know there's a name for it. I just can't remember right now. But I I, I, I made my own Logan's Run Sandman pistol when I was a kid. That's cool. All right, so uh, yeah, we're talking about robots. And last week we had the story about. Nazis, World War II, robots, spaceships, and that was pretty funny. And this may live up to that, sort of, I guess. Um, 
If you think that you've seen every kind of zombie movie possible, then just wait for Battle of the Damned. At this time, the cast is yet to be announced, but the film is expected to be completed by 2012. By 2012. Man, they, they better hurry up. <laughs> We've only got a month and a half left. Uh, the story is about a group of survivors who, after a viral outbreak at a remote facility, find themselves not only fighting against the vicious infected masses, but also a band of rogue prototype robots as well. Battle <laughs> of the Damned will be directed by Christopher Hatton, who also wrote the screenplay. And I imagine this skipping theaters altogether and landing on sci-fi on a Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. It just it seems like, like it. it seems like that kind of movie. Yeah. It's almost like a weird uh like Jason X type movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't no. know why I thought of that, but yeah. No, I could see what you're what you're what you're going for there. And and I think that the the zombie genre is starting to run out of steam if they're including other things in your zombie movies. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's going to be awesome because you got the zombies and you got the robots, but when, you, when, when, when your type of movie starts getting watered down this way, I think you're, you're running into trouble. Mm. Don't you think? Well, yeah, I, I could see that. I, it depends on what they're going for. If they're trying to be you know, quasi-serious or say something about society, they, they might be in for some trouble. But uh, if I would imagine that if they're going for that sort of campy type feel and they know they're being campy, then I'm okay with that. Generally, I, I, I like films that are self-aware. I, you know, it's the, it's the huge disparities that tend to get on people's nerves. <laughs> it's the ones that take themselves seriously and it turns out to be totally lame. Right, exactly right. Like the movie, the like the the trailer we saw last week for the the World War II movie about time travel, robots, and spaceships. Mm-hmm. That was meant to be campy and and stupid. I and you know what? Good on them if they know that and they can pull that off. That you can you can do campy and stupid with style. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, uh, and it can be done. It's just you have, to, you have to acknowledge that. You have to own that. So sometime in 2012, we'll find out what this movie's all about. Battle of the Damned, Robots and Zombies. It sounds interesting. So staying on the subject of robots, you've got something about a Kinect-powered robot dog, Paul. Is that true? Yeah. Unfortunately, this is not about zombies. It is about robots, though. So, yeah, it, for those of you who don't know, Kinect is a, a, a sort of like, I guess, it's called a peripheral, but it's an extension of the Xbox 360. You basically plug it in, and there are certain games that you can play just by moving in front of your television screen. So, basically, you can play games with, like, gestures, like, you know, kicking or running or whatever, or whatever you like. So, if you, and if you search for YouTube on this, you can actually find out how it works. But people have figured out that, Really, all the Kinect is is it's shooting out a series of points of light and reading motion based on what it's how it reads the room. So someone has taken this concept and had it have this be the sensory input for a robot dog. And uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. But yeah, you you can see it. Sure enough, it is a it's a it's a quadruped robotic thing. And it's reading its surrounding environment through the Connect. 
And, uh, you know, that that is pretty cool. I can't wait to watch the video. I won't watch it now because we're in the middle of a podcast, but <laughs> this looks it, it looks promising. Yeah. It's not as clean as, you know, like we've talked before about Big Dog or those military-grade type uh, of projects. It's not it's not it doesn't look the movement doesn't look as organic but uh it sure enough it does work and it does adjust to terrain and things like that okay so, Le- yeah. leave it to paul to to bring out the the video of the robot of the week i love it <laughs> it's awesome yeah i you know what i was surprised there's a lot of news revolving around robots no, I've noticed, I've I've watched that I've watched that too. I, I've been noticing that too, and I usually leave the the true real life stories to you. I usually do the fantastical, the yeah. the movies, the books, the TV shows, and I leave the real life stories to you. And I'm seeing all these going. God, I hope Paul sees this, or you know, I hope <laughs> I hope Paul uses the story on on the podcast this week. And uh, uh, yeah, plenty to choose from right now. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's good things. And this is not the first time that the Connect has been used for for other things than just playing games. People have been messing with it ever since they got the hardware. And uh, I mean, again, if you go on YouTube, you'll find that engineers are doing all kinds of things with it. Um, but yeah, if you want to figure out how it works, there again are plenty of videos on that, and you can see like the little pinpoints of light that are spread throughout the room whenever you're playing it. And, uh, yeah, it's good, uh, good stuff. And I've seen, uh, I think one of the things I saw was the Minority Report uh, action using the Connect. Yeah, they had done, well, actually, I do, I am, Dave, you know that I'm, and I do some editor work on App Slappy. Yep. And they, uh, Apple had recently applied for uh, basically uh, touchless controls. Like they had applied for a patent for touchless controls. So yeah, that that's essentially what started me on that path. Is it's it is Minority Report where you're adju- you're making movements without touching anything, and the you know you're interacting with something that happens that is happening on a screen. I think that's. The next big thing, along with voice control and, and voice interaction, yeah, that it's we're we're on our way. That's we the, are on our way. That's the two things you wouldn't have to be touching anything anymore. On another bit of related news, Ooh. is we have uh, an LED that is can turn transparent or not transparent as you want it to. So. You've seen all those all those sci-fi type films where you actually have something displayed on a piece of glass, but and then it goes away two seconds later. Yep. But yeah, we're approaching that kind of technology where we have an LED that can turn into glass if we wanted to. Did, wasn't hasn't Apple done something like this with their with their uh, laptops and your their computers? I they've done something related to that. I don't know exactly how it works. But uh, yeah, I believe I, I don't quote me on this, but I think it was uh, I think it was LG that were that I saw the demonstration of this thing work. But, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about too. It's the it's the keyboard that changes depending on what you're doing with it, right? There's that too. Okay. That's 
yeah, that's that's something else altogether. Like you can project a keyboard on whatever surface and you can type on it and it will react and adjust and you can change whatever keys you like because they're just pictures. They're just, you yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. I love living in the future, Paul. <laughs> and we're getting closer to the future every day. Think all about right, that. All right, let's get closer to space, shall we? This is space. We're just in the beginning part of space. We, we haven't even gotten to outer space yet. Roger Houston, we have a visual on the Russian space station, initiating retro burn. That is from Armageddon. I thought it perfect that I have that tonight since the asteroid's about to hit the Earth. Oh, good times. Not Are really. Are we all going to die? It's, 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 it's between the moon and the Earth, and there's a lot of space between the moon and the Earth. <laughs> Some 100,000 miles, something like that? As long as... Michael Bay doesn't write a movie about it. I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have the actual asteroid hitting the Earth than have Michael Bay do a movie about it. Uh, All right. Tweet that. Let's, t- let's talk about space, shall we? And another director, J.J. Abrams, Variety is reporting that he has his eye on Oscar-winning actor Benicio Del Toro. So he, he's flirting with Benicio apparently, uh, to, portray the, to uh, portray the villain in the next Star Trek movie. Sources claim the two have met, I guess they've had a date, and that uh, Abrams is interested in offering him the role. But supposedly, cool. Del Toro doesn't know the character's name or how he'll fit into the story. One rumor going around is that he could end up as the character of Khan, played famously by the late Ricardo Montalban. So far, all of this is conjecture and rumor, but the film does go into production pretty soon here, early 2012. And I, I really can't see them doing Khan just because it's the second J.J. Abrams movie, and that was, that was Star Trek II back in the 80s that Khan was on. So I, I, I really can't see them doing Khan again. Mm. It was kind of, at the time, it was kind of an iconic role. And to take that up again would be a challenge, I think. Yeah. I, I think- mean, I, I lo- and I love, don't get me wrong, love Benicio Del Toro. I think he's a great actor. Um, I, I think, uh, but I think, I, I tend to agree with you. I think he'll try to do a different kind of villain. I've heard, there's other rumors I've heard is that it's going to be the Klingons in the next movie. Yeah, that, I mean, that was classic. I mean, the Klingons were the bad guys for however, how many Star Trek movies? the first a good portion of the first part of the movies I okay think like half star trek the motion picture they were in mm-hmm. the very beginning of it they were in star trek 3 mm-hmm. um they were not in star trek 4 they were in star trek 5 a little bit and they were major players in star trek 6 yeah star trek 6 was was it undiscovered country i want to yes, say yes that is it all right so yeah, they've been in plenty of feature films, not to mention all the series. Mm-hmm. So, Klingon, well, Klingons are the kind of the classic go-to bad guys for Star Trek. Yeah, they are. Then kind of like the Borg, you know. Uh, one of my favorites is Cardassians, and did you see the picture that was uh, roll uh, that was uh, circulating on the social networks tonight of the image of the three Cardassian women, and it says. Okay. Um, keeping up with the Cardassians. 
Uh, those Cardassians are so much cooler. Yeah. I'd rather <laughs> keep up with the Cardassians than the Kardashians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I... Yes. <laughs> no need for more statements there. Absolutely. Done. <laughs> All right. So what do you got for us, Paul? Uh, I, you know what? I, what I have are tiny satellites. And Yay. I mean really small satellites. Um, the, uh, the United Kingdom Space Agency has approved the design of a miniature satellite. And this kind of, I mean, I, when I read this, I was just kind of a little confused because... I mean, we normally think of satellites as those sort of, you know, like build, almost like uh, building structure type things. And uh, what we're talking about is something about the mass of uh, 1.3 kilograms. And it's supposedly supposed to have all of the cutting edge technology. It's supposed to have the GPS receiver for, you know, get readings from the, on- uh, the ionosphere and the plasma sphere and all of these other spheres. And it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be, it sounds, at least sounds in, in, uh, in, in theory, it sounds pretty cool. It's now they have to do, all they have to do is build the thing. <laughs> so what are these satellites going to do? See, that's the thing is as far as I know, it's just going to take readings from the atmosphere. At least that's what they mentioned here. I don't oh, know what its yeah. true capabilities are. I was actually more curious at how they're going to get it into space. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, will they have to like? Will they have to go inside a spaceship and then launch it once they're in space? Because I mean, one of the bigger problems with spacecraft is you need to have room for the fuel to get it up to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm a lot of open questions, but at least in theory, this sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, sounds, because like, if literally if, it's, if, it's a miniature uh, satellite. If you're putting miniature satellites into space, why waste the fuel cost? And the machinery and all that stuff on just a small if a thing this right. big or whatever how size it is, two of my hands together, mm-hmm. going into this huge rocket. What's the point? There's got to be a diff- a better way of getting it up into into orbit. That I absolutely agree. I think that I think that's right. And I think that's what they're going for. They're really just trying to, you know, minimize costs and make sure that they're doing everything they can to. Uh, get the information that they need without having to, uh, without having to do the t- sort of the typical route. Well, wait a second. Didn't we have a story a couple weeks ago about another miniature satellite story? Didn't wasn't that something that you were talking about? How I don't it, think it was, so. It was some kind of experiment, like high school experiment. Oh yeah, this was uh, yeah that was like a, a homemade a homemade rocket. Basically, they had strapped a camera to a uh, rocket. And launched it into space, and d- just took pictures with it. These are just high school kids. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that what we're talking about is roughly the same size. I mean, it was just a small, it was just a small rocket with a, a camera attached to it that was timed to start taking pictures once it hit the, you know, the upper atmosphere, and uh, we had a little parachute and floated down. So maybe and, there is a way of getting these small satellites into space on a smaller platform on a smaller rocket. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. You're probably right. There probably are ways of doing that without having to uh, take it up themselves and launch it. I'd love or, to you know, launch it. I would love to know more about this. This is really fascinating to me. I will. I will keep on it, sir. That's, All right. That's what I do here. Report back. <laughs> All right. I've got one more story about space. I don't have Dude, much you're doubling to, up on me, man. Yeah. No. I I found all <laughs> kinds of great stuff this week and. 
This is something that you have to look at to really appreciate. It's an, in, it's an infographic slash map of all the space missions in history and where the craft are right now. Oh, that's neat. I'm looking at this right now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That, and, uh, I had no idea there was so much. I mean, I, I, I know I say this a lot, but there's, it still boggles me how much just stuff we have in space. No, yeah, we've we've got a major footprint in space already. When you when you put it all together, it, we're polluting space. <laughs> we've got a lot of crap up there. Go humans! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> polluting our planet wasn't enough. We've gone into space and done it now. But it's funny sure on this thing. It's we're really heavy on the inner planets. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine the further out we get, the the less we're polluting it, just yeah. by virtue of the fact that we can't get that far. <laughs> I mean, look at all the look at all the rings around the moon, mm-hmm. and then you move down to Mars, almost as many, mm-hmm. and then uh, you've got Venus, a lot a lot around Venus, and then the farther out you go, the less lines. Yeah, there's a huge jump between Mars and Jupiter, mm-hmm. like like crazy amounts. Like you have, you know. I don't know how many, 40 missions around Mars, and you have nine around Jupiter. Yeah. And even less around Saturn, even less around Uranus, even, uh, even <laughs> less around Neptune. <laughs> um, yeah, then you got Voyager, which is the farthest spacecraft. It's in interstellar space. Um, you've got Pioneer 10, and then you've got Voyager. Well, no, hang on. You've got Pioneer 11. You've got Voyager. You've got Pioneer 10, and... Voyager 1, all out in interstellar space. Of course, we were just talking about Star Trek, the motion picture. Voyager 1 turns into what, Paul? Uh, crap. V'ger. <laughs> What's that? V'ger. V'ger. Yeah, remember? Is that right? Uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. It's the craft I, oh inside that gosh. big cloud, and it was, it was called V'ger, but it was really Voyager 1. Oh, Okay. No, I know what you're talking about. I had no idea. I had no idea that that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to take away your your sci-fi card for a few I minutes. I know. It's it's a it's a common problem. But you know what? I I've got to think that there are people out there that are just like myself that have a have a healthy interest in it, but don't know all of the all of the ins and outs of all of every single uh, Star Trek movie. No, no, <laughs> and not everybody can know everything. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you know that I don't know. Like, you know, you're, like, you're big on the, uh, what's the cartoon? The, it, Futurama. Uh, Futurama, yeah. I don't know anything about Futurama. Uh, it's, uh, in a lot of ways, it's, it's Futurama is more poignant than The Simpsons. And I, and I bet you you know more about a live-action science fiction show or movie than I do. I don't know. I'm not here to compare, man. I'm just here to enjoy. All right. <laughs> All right, so that is it. Uh, we did uh, time travel. We did robots. We did space. And now it's time for our recommendations. I uh, was lazy this week, and I just did a short film that I found on YouTube called Unearthed. And let me Unearthed. run down the uh, explanation, the plot of it real quick here. On the edge of space, a mining ship, the Ezekiel, finds an uncharted planet that reveals signs of a possible fuel source. Two crew members undertake a mission to the desolate rock to take samples for later analysis. 
The mission goes well until they unearth a dark and terrifying truth. And the thing is with this is they never show their faces until the very end. And there's a reason for that. Ooh. Yeah. Kind of reminds you of Alfred Hitchcock. It does. Or the Twilight Zone. Excuse me. Twilight Zone. I'm assuming you'll have the you will have the link for the good people. Yes, I will have the link in the show notes at galacticnetcast.com. I highly recommend Unearthed. It's only about 20 minutes, so wham bam, you're done, and you'll thoroughly enjoy it. So that is my recommendation this week. Sweet. I have a recommendation as well. All right, let's hear it. It is, it is called Attack the Block. Yes. Yeah. Have you heard about this film? I've heard about it. I have not seen it. I take it that you've seen it. I have. In fact, I watched it over the weekend with my lovely wife, and it was quite cool. Um, first off, this movie was, I felt a bit, a bit like I was lied to because this film was billed to me as, okay, you have folks from Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Not only you do have uh, some of the actors, but you also have a lot of the production type folks doing this film. Right. So naturally, I kind of assumed that it would be kind of a parody and, you know, just sort of sort of that dry sarcasm that uh, that uh, I guess you could associate with, you know, those kind of films. Yep. It is not that at all. It is. I mean, you do get some sense of that, but that is not what the movie is about. It, It essentially is about these group of kids and they are sort of like. They're on a bad part of town, and they're kind of they're generally thugs, you know what I mean? And a thing crash lands into their their block, and they end up they end up killing this thing. It looks kind of like a dog. And that inadvertently sort of sets off a chain reaction that causes an invasion of an alien race onto their block. Sweet. Yeah. And it it was very cool. I mean, but it's not... I don't think it was intended to be funny. It was just intended to be kind of like a, a hey, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Basically, I, I was listening to some of the commentary after the fact, and the director said he was going for a, okay, you remember the movie Signs. What if that happened in a sort of urban-type area with kids that are not very well-to-do, you know? Yep. And... For every and the, his thought was that if that were to happen, all of a sudden those kids would be everybody else's first line of defense because they would they would have all the weapons, they would have all the sort of toughness to deal with it. Whereas almost everybody else would be in just just dire straits. So that was so that should give you an idea of what all this is about. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was fun and it was definitely worth it if you are you know an alien invasion type fan. And speaking of Alien Invasion, this is a good time to talk about the Alien Invasion podcast, which is, uh, we'll be live streaming it tomorrow night at um, tomorrow evening, I should say, at 6 p.m. Central Time, followed right after by a special Wednesday edition of the Sci-Fi Film School podcast with guest host Brad, who is also my co-host for the Alien Invasion podcast, so... That was a good wow. time to kind of slide that in there, plug yeah. our other podcasts let's, on the Galactic you know Podcast Network. Let's, let's applaud that segue. That's Thank bravo. You. Thank you very much. 
See, I was in radio for 20 years. So I know how to do this kind of stuff. <laughs> All right. So, um, great. I, I, I've been looking forward to see Attack the Block. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about it. It's a good movie. But again, it's not, you know, there are funny moments, but that's, it's not intended to be funny, I don't think. Who's the actor from, from Paul and, and Shaun of the Dead and Hot Right. Fu- it's, it's not Sean Penn. It's that other Sean fellow who's, uh, whose name I always forget. It's uh, Nick Frost. Nick okay. Frost is the okay. fellow's name. All right. Cool. And just to give you an idea, he plays sort of a drug-dealing stoner type dude. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch their show, Spaced? No. What oh. is that? It's, it's the show that got Nick and, damn, what's his name? Uh, uh, Simon Pegg? Yeah, Simon Pegg. Um, uh. Nick and Simon, that was their show that got their, their start. I had no idea. Is this, was this a television or was yeah, it a yeah. web short? Or? Yeah, no, it was a TV show. Um, and I believe it might be available either on Netflix or Hulu. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea. I was always kind of wondering. They kind of, to me, those guys came out of nowhere. But, uh, you know, that's coming from me and my American perspective. Yeah, Simon, Simon Pegg was on quite a bit of TV before he did movies. And this, oh, cool. this was his launching pad. And you can see a lot of, the, you can see a lot of his, his inspiration for his later stuff in this show. And it was also produced and directed by the director of all those movies, too. Cool. Edgar, Edgar Wright. That's his okay. Name. Yeah, that's right. I follow, I follow him on, tw- on the Twitter. Yes. He's an interesting fellow. Yes, he is. All right. So uh, one final piece of business. Question of the week. Are you ready, Paul? Uh, hit me. All right. If there was one thing in your life that, could ha- that you could have a robot do, what would that thing be? What, that mundane task or that thing that d- you don't want to do that a ro- robot could do, what would that thing be? My day job. That is what I would do. <laughs> you know, I wish it were, you know, something a little bit more simple than that. But no, I would want it to do my day job because then I would have all the time in the world to mess with all of the things that I would love to mess with. Podcasts, you know, popping up websites and, you know, just just general creative type outlet type stuff. That is That is what I would do. And I would be perfectly happy doing it. Well, who knows? In twenty some years, you may be able to you may be able to do just that. We shall see. After shall see. after the what's the word I'm looking for that we talked about a couple of podcasts We're ago? We're never going to get this. <laughs> what's that word again? <laughs> well, it's uh, uh, the singularity. Singularity. Thank you. After the singularity, right. this is something that you might be able to do: is have a robot do your day job. I'm I'm hoping I will be considerably sooner, but or, that's just me. Or you could be uh, so ingrained with other technology that you can be doing two things at once. Also true. My person, my the current front runner for this particular hope is that in a drunken stupor, Bill Gates will like call me up and say, "Here is point two percent of my wealth," and you know what? Have a, have a ball. That's that all you need. I'm that's that's all you need is. Two percent of his of his money, and you'd be set for life. <laughs> uh, how about you? What would you have a robot do? Drive my car. Um, I have spent so much freaking time in my car, <laughs> living as far as I do away from my family, and I I see them on a regular basis. Especially lately, I'm trying to find a job in the city where they are. So mm-hmm. 
I'm three hours away now, but I've been further away. I have been as far as 12 hours away from my family um, at any given time. So just driving, it would be nice to have my own personal Johnny Cab from Total Recall. Nice. I want, I want my own robot driver. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Make your commute quite a bit easier. Yeah, I could do, I could do a lot of things during that commute. I could do a lot of things that you were talking about. I could be on the social networks. I could be blogging. I could be doing a podcast in the car, in, tran- in transit as we go. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I want my robot to do, my robot slave. I want my robot slave to drive my car for me. I support that. All right. I'm glad that we're in agreement. <laughs> so if you uh, have an idea of what you want your robot to do, let us know by leaving a comment on this episode on the blog at galacticnetcasts.com. So that is going to be it for episode 11 of the Time Traveling Robots in, Pace, uh, in Space podcast. And for information about this and our other shows on our network, go to galacticnetcast.com. And where can people subscribe to the podcast to make sure they get it every single week and don't miss a single episode, Paul? That would be iTunes. That is where you should go. Or you can also do it by filling out the email form. But I would imagine that most people would like to subscribe through iTunes. And you know what? We are there. And we always enjoy five-star rankings. And leave a comment, of course. And this just in, I found this out tonight. We are mm-hmm. now on Stitcher Smart Radio. Hey, I yeah. know the Stitcher. Yeah. Uh, they do things. I, I applied a couple of days ago. I kind of forgot about it, and then I got the email tonight going, hey, you're on Stitcher. Congratulations. Uh, welcome aboard. So um, on-demand news, talk, and more on your mobile phone. The latest episode is always available for you. No syncing needed and no memory or storage wasted, which is a good thing. Available for your iPhone, your Android phone, your WebOS phones, or your BlackBerry. Downloading is easy. Just go to Stitcher.com or check out your app store. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio, and that's where we're at. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. Um, Also, I wanted to mention that we now have a a spot on the website for the latest science fiction news. For the longest time, we were doing a thing called the science fiction daily podcast i decided to stop doing that and then instead just putting all the news onto uh, a separate section on the website called the blog and uh, if you want the latest in science fiction news just go there on a daily basis uh, galacticnetcast.com and maybe put it in your uh, your rss feed your um, your google reader or similar type things very cool. So you'll always be up to date on the latest science fiction news. Um, a couple other ways of getting a hold of us. Uh, we've got a voicemail number. What is that number, Paul? That number, once again, Dave, is 805-328-3966. Leave us a voicemail. We always enjoy hearing your feedback. Or you can uh, leave us an email, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. Search for us. On the Twitter at Galactic Netcast, Facebook, and we now have a Google Plus Plus page, a business page on Google Plus. So put us in your circle. That is awesome. Yay, Google Plus, for allowing us to do that. Man, that's a lot of stuff at the end. 
<laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> you know what? It's all good. It, it just leaves pl- plenty of ways for people to uh, get our wonderful content. Yes, and we thank you very much for downloading, for listening, for subscribing. We appreciate it. All right, Paul, that's going to do it. All right, good deal. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. This has been a presentation of Galactic Netcasts. To subscribe to this and our other podcasts, go to galacticnetcasts.com.